How you doing, Faith Church? Doing good Sunday morning. Come on now. I'm excited to be here. Welcome to those of you guys that are watching online. We're happy that you guys uh, decided to tune in. Uh, I Real quick, I just want to shout out our lead pastors, Pastor Frank and Pastor Lisa Santora. Come on now. We're so thankful for them. Hi, Mom. How you doing? Good to see you. I'm married now, so I don't always see my mom every single day. So come on now. Uh, but uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys today. Pastor Frank is uh, on his sabbatical right now. He is in uh, North Carolina actually preaching for his spiritual father, uh, King Adamte. Uh, so we're very, very happy to hear that he's doing well. He's relaxing. He's resting. But if you guys would, if you need a Bible, just flag down one of the ushers, get it into your hand. Or if you have your phone Bible or if you have your paper Bible, really and truly the paper Bible is the way to go. Come on now. I know Radix got his paper Bible. Praise God. Uh, would you guys go ahead and just uh, say this? I like to do this at the same time. It makes it easier for everyone. All right. We're going to do it all together. On the count of three, all right? Ready? One, two, three. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all God's destined me to be. Amen. You guys sound great. Would you guys just remain standing for the reading of God's word? I promise we'll get seated in just a second. The scripture I want to read to you guys today is in Acts chapter 17, verse 16. I'll give you guys a second to get there. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. For this scripture, I'm going to be reading from the New King James translation. It says in verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those that happened to be there. Today I want to talk to you about taking responsibility for your generation. Taking responsibility for your generation. Would you guys join me in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this service. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we would feel a touch from your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that we would take responsibility for our generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you don't know this by now, I played baseball for many years. That's what I love to do with my life. And I was playing baseball one day, and I w- a pop fly got hit up in the air. And if you don't know what a pop fly is, it's when the ball goes high up in the air. And so I, I played shortstop, and the second baseman was going back on the fly ball with me, and the center fielder was coming in. In fact, the center fielder that I used to play with is actually here today, so I'm happy to uh, have him with me. But we were going back, and... I was going back on it, back on it, and no one took responsibility for the baseball, and we all just looked up at it, and then boom, the ball just plopped right in in front of us. And so since no one took responsibility, the ball just kind of dropped in right in front of us, and we were like, man, no one took care of business, no one took care of the responsibility, and now the runner reached first base. So obviously, you know, that's not the biggest deal in the, in the world. Like, you know, the runner reached first. We don't love that, but you know, worse things could have happened, right? But then a fly ball was hit 
And it was hit to the right fielder. His name was Ben. And the right fielder, he began to run towards the ball. And he ran full speed. He was trying to get to the baseball. But there was a big rock that was right in front of him. Huge rock. And he was headed to go chest first right into this rock. And if you don't know anything about baseball, I'll tell you this. That it is the team's responsibility to say, you don't have room to make the catch. You don't have room. You don't have room. But nobody decided to say anything. We all just looked to one another. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know what was happening. And so we ran full speed with everything that he had in him. He ran and boom, he hit right into the rock, chest first. He went and he collapsed on the ground. Ambulance came. And because no one took responsibility, our right fielder ended up going to the hospital with two collapsed lungs. Because no one took responsibility to just say, you don't have room. Not one of us, including myself. In the same way, this generation right now is headed towards a rock. And that rock is called hell. And if we don't do anything to help this generation, this generation is going to slam right into that rock. And if no one takes responsibility, we're going to see a generation die and a generation not know Jesus Christ. We need to take responsibility for our generation. See, we're up against a lot in this generation. And I want you guys to know that I'm biblical, not political. I'm biblical, not political. And so is this church. We're biblical, not political. We don't side with political parties. We side with the word of God. But with that being said, I want you to watch this video to see what our generation is up against. Check out this video. What's true to you can be, can be false to me. So like... It's not, it's like what if I said that it's true? My truth is that you don't exist. Does that mean you, you no longer exist? I mean, if that's your truth, sure. I don't. Because but, it's But like, you do. Well, I mean, if you're saying that I do, then I do. Well, but even if I said that you don't, you still do, because we're, we're having this conversation. I mean, are we? I think so. I mean, I thought... That's what we, you think. Our generation is wildly confused. This woman was willing to compromise the idea that she existed just for someone else's truth to be true. Oh, I don't even, yeah, sure, I don't, sure, I don't even exist. Do you not want me to exist? Okay, fine, I don't exist. What in the world is happening to this generation? And if I can even get really real here, we can't even tell the difference anymore or we're starting to not be able to tell the difference between people and animals. People are running around saying that they're cats, saying that they're dogs, saying that they're wolves, saying that they're this animal, saying that they're that animal. When in reality, God has created humanity above animals and given us dominion over them. We can't even tell the difference between a person and an animal. Many of you, I would assume so at least, many of you have jobs. You have jobs and you go to work, obviously, from maybe Monday through Friday. Maybe you have some different hours. Many of you participate with different activities outside of church. Many of you have kids that go to school. And if I could just be quite honest with you and quite frank with you, what the world is promoting at your jobs likely and what the world is promoting in schools and what the world is promoting right now is complete and utter garbage. I'm just saying the truth here. 
Our school system in America is pumping garbage into the minds of our kids. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just being biblical. We're seeing people not be able to differentiate between a male and a female. We're seeing people not being able to tell the difference between boy, girl, male, female, dog, cat, person, animal. And as a youth pastor, I see students coming to my youth group more confused than they ever have been before. Asking me questions that people wouldn't have even thought twice about years ago. The world is promoting things like this. You can be who you want to be. You just have to have good energy. Good vibes, man. Everyone goes to heaven. All that matters is you just do whatever makes you happy. Different strokes for different folks, right? It's up to you to decide if you want to be a boy or a girl or a truck or a car or a cat or a dog. We're laughing, but that's what people are saying. And let me tell you, these are all lies from the enemy. And here's the truth of this. I want you to get this today. Our enemy is not people. Our enemy is not people. Our enemy is the spirit behind what is happening right now. Our enemy is not people. We should not look at people and say, I hate this person. I hate that person. I don't care what a person is. If a person's a Democrat, a Republican, if they say they're a transgender, gay, whatever it is, we, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against principalities and rulers of this dark world. It is not against people. It is against the spirit that is at work right now. So while this generation is being filled with lies, being filled with evil, being filled with deception, there is only one hope to this generation, and that hope is Jesus Christ. There's only one hope, and his name is Jesus Christ. But let me propose a question to you. Who is going to tell this generation about Jesus Christ? Who? The answer is you and I. See, in Acts chapter 17, verse 16 through 17, I just read this scripture before. Paul was provoked in his spirit when he saw them worshiping idols. And guess what he did? He didn't just go, oh, I'm provoked about this. That's kind of disappointing. You know, I I wish that people would look differently. He said, no, he reasoned with them and he'd speak the gospel to every single person that he possibly could and whoever was in the marketplace daily. He was provoked to do something about it. What does provoked mean? Provoked is like when like your, your sibling, like, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, poke, 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 I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to do something about this now. We need to get provoked enough to do something. See, are we finally tired of people talking down to this generation? Are we finally tired of this generation turning to everything else other than God? Are we tired of young people committing suicide at record highs? Are we tired of seeing people dying from drug overdoses at a 20 or 30% increase since the year 2000? Are we tired of it? Are we tired of, do we want to see people set free by the power of Jesus Christ? Do we want to see people come to know the saving knowledge of Christ and be free, then we need to get provoked enough to do something. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. I want to read this to you quickly. 
I did not have this in my notes until last night, but the Lord spoke to me to say this. Judges 2 verse 10. It says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The generation after did not know the Lord. Why did the generation after not know the Lord or the things he had done for Israel? Because the generation before didn't take their responsibility to say something. And now we have a generation that their family's religious, that their grandma's this, their grandma's a Christian, their gra- their grandfather knows the Lord. But guess what? Them themselves? No, nah, I'm not really interested in that, man. Why? Because we have a generational gap where people are not being told the truth of God's word anymore. Children are not growing up and hearing the things that God had done for their parents and grandparents. There's a generation that does not know the Lord right now or the things that he had done for their family, for people. So what are we going to do? And what do I want to talk to you about this morning? Again, I want to talk to you about taking responsibility for this generation, taking responsibility for your generation. And here's the question I'm going to answer in this sermon. How does our generation need us to take responsibility I have three points for you. My first point, this generation needs us to take responsibility to know the truth. This generation needs us to take responsibility to know the truth. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus here, he's talking to his disciples. John chapter 8, verse 31. It should be on the screen behind me as well. Jesus said, To the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And watch this. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus, he's telling this to his followers then. But guess what? We are also his followers now. The same thing that Jesus was saying to his followers then, he's saying to his followers now. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. This generation needs freedom. This generation needs freedom. This generation is bound to so many things. But freedom to this generation will only come by the truth. By the truth. And the truth is this. The truth is the good news of Jesus Christ. The truth is the word of God. But watch this. In order for people to hear the truth from us, we need to be in the truth. In order for people to hear the truth from us, then we need to be in the truth. We need to know the truth. We need to know what Jesus taught. And the only way to know the truth of God's word is to actually read God's word. This is one of the reasons why faith church is so key on being like, come to discipleship, study your Bible, read your Bible every day. Why? Because then you can know the truth. You can know the truth. Watch this. You can only detect a lie if you know the truth. If you know the truth, you'll be able to detect a lie. You can only detect a lie if you know the truth. This is why we need to know the truth. So you can know the truth. You don't have to be deceived by the lies of this world. Again, we can only detect a lie if we know the truth. I'm going to show you another video clip in just a second here. And I want you to see the deception about the truth in this world. Check out this video. I'm not even talking about social context. I'm I'm just trying to start by getting to the truth. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm really uncomfortable with that language of like g- getting to the truth again in social why, why life. Is that, why is that uncomfortable? Because that it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Um, and the if truth? you and, and if you keep probing, we're going to stop the interview. The truth. Our world is trying to silence the truth. The man in this video is a college professor who's supposed to be an intellectual in gender studies. And immediately when the idea of the truth was presented, he immediately became uncomfortable. What do you mean the truth? What do you mean the truth? The truth, well I actually think that the truth is transphobic. What do you even mean? The truth. All he said was the truth. People become uncomfortable in our society by the idea of the truth. And let me tell you this, the world is trying to cancel the truth. The world is doing everything in its in its uh, power to do cancel culture, to cancel the truth of God's word. But here's what I'm trying to tell you today. Nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. The word of God is timeless. timeless. The word of God will always be true. It doesn't matter what the world tries to do. Do you know that emperors have tried to burn the word of God? Emperors have tried to burn Bibles. They tried to burn uh, libraries with Bibles in it. They've tried to get rid of the Bible with everything they can. And guess what? It just keeps on popping up. Nothing can take away the truth of God's word. We'll know the truth. But to know the truth again, we need to be in the truth. We need to be in the truth. Let me tell you this. The truth is not relative. It does not change. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The word uh, the word of God is not relative. The truth is not relative. The truth does not change person to person. Our world is deceived, just like that girl that I showed you in that video. Deceived. Believing that she may not be real. Depending on this person's truth. Let me read this text to you in 1 Timothy. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. Pastor has read this text a couple of times. I'm going to read it off the screen. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. I'm sorry, I actually gave them the wrong text. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. That's my fault, not theirs. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Pastor has used this text a couple of different times. 2 Timothy. Forgive me as I turn there. In the last days, there will be perilous times. People will be lovers of themselves. People will be lovers of themselves. In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. Our world is foolishly believing that they can actually successfully please themselves. We can, I can please myself without God. But let me ask you this, if this were true, and we can actually please ourselves and satisfy ourselves, then why has the suicide rate increased by 30% in the last 20 years? And church attendance is getting lower and lower at the same time. Someone needs to tell this world the truth. We need to stop looking around to someone else. Just like my baseball team, we all look to someone else. For the truth. Go, please, somebody else tell them the truth. Oh, please, someone else tell my friend about Jesus Christ. We need to stop looking to other people. And we need to start looking at ourselves and saying, I'm going to be the one to tell this generation the truth. 
We speak the truth out of love, by the way. We don't speak the truth because we're angry with anyone. We don't speak the truth because we hate people. We speak the truth because we want people to be able to be set free by the power of God. Let me tell you this. I'll tell you something funny. This will make some of you guys laugh. I get my eyebrows waxed. And by the looks of it, maybe some of you in here should. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I get my eyebrows waxed. And... I'm getting my eyebrows waxed one time, right? I get a, I get my eyebrows waxed and my hair done by the same lady all the time. And I'm getting my eyebrows waxed. And she goes and she rips the eyebrow wax right off. Boom, she rips it right off. And whatever, you know, then my phone starts to ring. And I'm like, who is calling me right now? So I sit up real fast. And she goes, don't move. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, you know what I wanted? You know, you know what maybe like I could have done? I could have been like, Don't tell me what to do. My truth is that I can sit up right now. Don't tell me how I can live. I can answer the phone if I want to answer the phone. Don't you dare tell me what to do. But what I decided to do is I was like, all right, she told me not to do it. Let me just stop for a second and see what's up. So I just stopped. And she goes, I'm really sorry. She goes, if you moved just a little bit more, hot wax would have gotten into your eye. If we don't speak the truth, then people are going to be destroyed. If we don't tell people, stop, here's the right way. People just like me almost got waxed in my, just like my friend slammed right into that rock. This generation is going to be completely and utterly destroyed. If we don't tell them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, there is a real hell and God doesn't want anyone to go there. It says so in second Peter chapter three, verse nine, it says that God is not willing that anybody should perish, but that everyone come to repentance. God doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell. He doesn't want that. He doesn't desire that. That's why he sent his son, Jesus to come and redeem humanity. If we don't speak the truth, then who's going to? It's time for Faith Church to take full responsibility for this church, for this generation. To say, I take it personally if people are not giving their life to Jesus on a weekly basis. I take it personally if I haven't told my friend or my family member about Jesus Christ this week. I take it personally if I'm not preaching the gospel every single week. I take it personally if disciples are not being made. It's time for us to take responsibility for this generation. It's time for us to read the word of God. It's time for us to know the truth so that people can be free. So that we can be set free. Our generation needs to know the truth of God's word. Take responsibility for your generation. My second point. This generation needs us to take responsibility to bring the good news. To bring the good news. I love this text that I'm about to read to you guys right now. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who's everyone? Everyone is a murderer. Everyone is a drug addict. Murder. Uh, uh, it could be a thief. It could be any, anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how gracious God is. But watch this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And watch this. How? Can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Paul is telling the church in Rome again, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But watch this. They first need to believe. But then they can't even believe if they don't hear the gospel. And they can't hear the gospel if no one preaches to them. 
And guess what? No one can preach the gospel unless someone sends them out. Who's the one who sends out? Jesus did with the Great Commission, but the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to send out. We have this idea that inviting someone to church is like the perfect like ministry to someone. Oh, I just invited them to church. Praise God, I did my job. It's like, that's good. You should invite people to church. We're doing like faith, friends, and community month. That's a great thing to do. Invite your friend to church. Absolutely. I have nothing against that. But did you know that you can just tell your friend the gospel outside of church? And then they can come to, they can get saved and then come to church to get discipled. We can actually reach people without a pastor. Why? Because the same Holy Spirit lives on the inside of anyone that believes. We can bring the good news of the gospel to somebody. We need to go. How can they hear the gospel if no one preaches it to them? Someone needs to tell them this. Here's what they need. Someone needs to tell this generation. That Jesus Christ came. That Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. That Jesus Christ died on the cross. That Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb. And that Jesus Christ rose again from the, de- from the grave. So that you can have eternal life. So you can be forgiven of your sin. And spend eternity with him. Someone needs to do it. We need to stop hoping for someone else to do it. We have to stop hoping for our friends to be able to do it. It doesn't matter where we go. We need to tell people the gospel, the good news. I have no idea if he's here right now, but many of you guys know who Ralph Rizzo is. Do do you guys know who Ralph Rizzo is? Praise God. Great man. Great man of God. Everywhere that he goes, he tells people the gospel. He's an electrician. He's not a full-time minister. He's not a pastor. But what? What does he do? When he goes on a job site, guess what? You better believe everybody on the job site is going to hear about Jesus Christ. Why? Because he understands the Great Commission. He understands that nobody can call on the name of the Lord. No one can hear the gospel unless someone preaches it to them. He doesn't do it obnoxiously, but he'll ask him some questions. He'll have a conversation with them. Somebody needs to tell this generation the good news of Jesus Christ. Because if no one goes, how can this generation be saved? How can this generation know Jesus if we're not taking responsibility to do something about it? Let's take responsibility. Let's stop making excuses. And stop looking around to someone else to win the people at your job to Jesus Christ. Let's stop looking around. You might think, you know, Joey, I just don't really know how to tell my friends the gospel. So I guess I'm exempt on this. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony of what God has done in your life? Because if you do, you could start with your testimony. But then watch this. I love this right here. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. If you're wondering what you should say to somebody, watch this. Jesus says, Luke chapter 12, verse 11. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. In other words, if you step out and go to tell your friend about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will help you with the words to say. This was Jesus talking to disciples about when they're dragged before people, when they're dragged before rulers. And Jesus says, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. In another text, the, uh, in another text, the apostle Paul, he's told by, he's told by the Lord that don't worry about when you go before people. This is my opportunity for me to use you to preach the good news. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to say it. Let's take responsibility for this generation. Stop making excuses. So many people, they say, well, I'm just going to preach with my lifestyle. All right, that's fine. But when are you going to tell them the gospel? 
It's okay to show them with your life. It's okay to be a good example of the gospel. Those are good things. and I have no problem with that. But at some point, they need to hear the gospel. At some point, they need to hear the gospel. Let's take responsibility for this generation, for your generation. My last point. This generation needs us to take responsibility by being bold. This generation needs us to take responsibility by being bold. The book of Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse uh, 29. If you want to turn there with me, it should be on the screen behind me as well. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. It says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Many miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Boldness. Be bold to preach the gospel. What was happening here? They were just being persecuted. And they were literally, people were threatening to kill them for preaching the gospel. They were just thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. And so they come out of that and they realize, guess what? In order for me to continue to preach this gospel, we need boldness, Lord. So they go and they pray together and they ask, Lord, give us boldness. And what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and fills the room and they go and they preach the gospel with boldness. We need to be bold to present the gospel with power. Bold to present the gospel of power. I love what it says here with many miracles, signs, and wonders. Did you know that the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 15 that through miracles, signs, and wonders, he had fully preached the gospel? Whoo! He preached the good news. Yes, he told them. But it says through many miracles, signs, and wonders. Wow. The power of the gospel. The demonstration of the gospel. Listen to me. The gospel does need to be proclaimed with our mouth. But watch this. When you start to demonstrate the gospel, that's a whole nother story. Someone can hear what you're saying about Jesus Christ. But when someone walks out of a wheelchair at the name of Jesus Christ, they're like, okay, stuff just got real. Okay, I might listen to this Jesus now. I've been in services that at the name of Jesus Christ, somebody stands up out of a wheelchair. I've been in services before where people have casts on their legs and can't walk right. And at the name of Jesus Christ, they throw their casts off and run around the building. I've seen people in services that don't even know the Lord. They're literally not even saved in a service. And their friend brought them. And they called it and the minister goes, I want to pray for you. And boom, right on the spot, miraculously healed. It's not a show. It's the power of the gospel. It's the power of the gospel. I was on PlayStation this week. I was playing a, playing some MLB The Show. I'm on PlayStation. And I'm playing, and I'm playing this game. And the Lord just all of a sudden spoke to me. Take a photo of his gamer tag and message him. I want you to tell him about me. And I was like, that is weird, man. <laughs> That's honestly what I said for a second. That is weird, man. Like just a dry, like, hey man, can I, can I ask you a question? Like, you know, right over, right over messenger. But I did it. And I said, hey, do you know where you would spend eternity if you were to die today? And you know what he said? <laughs> and he said genuinely, he wasn't kidding. He said, Valhalla. I was like, all right. I was like, I was like, that's all right. You know, th- th- that's what he thinks right now. So I asked him, I said, can I hop in a chat with you and your friend and talk to you about Jesus Christ? 
I promise you, for an hour and 15 minutes, I preached the gospel to them with their full attention, asking me questions, wondering things. I preached sermons to them, literally out of the word of God. They wrote down scripture references, and guess what? After the end of the conversation, the Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge, and I told him exactly what he was thinking right there on the spot. This is not someone that knew Jesus Christ, by the way. And I literally said to them, this is exactly what you're thinking right now. And I told him what he was thinking, and he went, oh my goodness, yes, that is what I'm thinking right now. And he said, and at the end of the conversation, he said, I'm not ready to accept Christ right now. He goes, but I'll tell you what, all the things you said made a lot of sense and it answered a lot of my questions. But the realest thing to me was when you were able to tell me exactly what I was thinking. He said, I know that that felt real. He said, I felt the presence of God with that. Wow. And guess what? He has an interest to go to church and guess where he is today? He's at a church right now and he's listening to another sermon as we speak right now. He's listening to the gospel being presented. What would happen if we all just started to be bold with people? Just like, hey, do you know Jesus Christ? If they tell you to get lost and get lost, fine. At least you told them the gospel. At least you gave them an opportunity to hear the gospel. Literally. I'll tell you what, my youth group, this is not in my notes. My youth group came back from summer camp. They went into Chick-fil-A after summer camp, and they preached the gospel inside of Chick-fil-A. People were getting touched. The workers said, I haven't been to church in two years, but I feel the presence of God like I never have before. What if we just got bold? What if we just uh, asked our waiter or our waitress at a restaurant, can I share the gospel with you? What if we wrote a note to our waitress at the end with the little tip and we put the gospel right there on the receipt? What if we did some stuff like that? What if we got bold? Don't be afraid that God will fail to do his part. Don't be afraid. God will do his part. God will begin to work on the inside of that person. What if the next time that someone at your job said, I'm feeling kind of under the weather right now. I'm feeling kind of sick. You said, well, guess what? Can I pray for you real quick? Because I believe that the power of Jesus Christ can heal you right now. What if you put God on the spot like that and saw, uh, saw to see, guess what? God, I'm putting you on the spot right now. Guess what? God loves to be put on the spot. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. Are you kidding me? If it means someone coming into my kingdom, if it means someone coming to receive what Jesus paid for, then yeah, I'll do it. Don't worry about God failing to do his part. He'll take care of that. That's his responsibility. All your responsibility is, is to step out in faith. Take responsibility for this generation. And watch, if you pray for people, if you begin to see people healed in your office, what if a healing revival broke out in your office? Somebody said, Wow, I just, wow, I, I do feel better. Oh my goodness. And they said, well, I'm kind of feeling sick too. Oh my buddy, would you mind praying for me too? And then all of a sudden, people are getting touched by the power of God in your office. And now people are open to hear the gospel. Wow. What a difference would happen in this world. This generation needs us. This generation needs you. Yes, you. If you are believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this generation needs you. This generation needs you. There's a very real rock, just like the story I shared before. There's a very real, real rock, and it's called hell. And this generation without Jesus Christ is running right towards, a, towards it. And God is calling on you and I to be able to go do something about it. God's calling on you and I to go do something about it. Go preach the gospel. God's calling on us to take responsibility and tell them there's a rock ahead of you. Be careful. If we took responsibility of this generation, if we don't take responsibility of this generation, this generation is going to remain depressed. Suicide rates are going to continue to go up. 
People are going to keep dying from drug overdoses. I'm just telling you what's going to happen if we don't take responsibility for this generation. There, people are going to keep on being confused about who they are because they don't have a biblical understanding. People are going to still keep on thinking they're animals. But guess what? If we do take responsibility for this generation, this generation will be saved. If we take responsibility for this generation and we preach and we heal the sick and we see people get touched by the power of God, if we take responsibility and be bold, this generation can have a revival. This generation can be saved. This generation can be free. This generation can be free from drug addictions, free from depression, free from suicide. Listen, I have no problem with clapping. I love it actually. Amen. Like it's like, it's great to give God some praise. But let me tell you what, if you're clapping right now, then go and do it. If you're, if you're clapping right now, then let's go and do it. I hold myself to the same standard. I'm not just saying you go do it. You go do it. No, I'm doing it too. In fact, on September 3rd, impact is going and we're doing an impact day of evangelism. We're going to preach the gospel. I'm not just telling you to do it and I'm not willing to do it myself. I am willing to do it. I am willing to. We have to do it together. We as the body. It doesn't matter if you're 80. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're called to the five-fold ministry. It doesn't matter if you've been coming to church for a year or coming to church for 10 years or 20 years. We have a mission to take responsibility for this generation. If we take responsibility for this generation... What can God do? Worship team, if you guys can just begin to come back up. We're very close to the end. We have faith, friends, and community month coming up. What if, what if, before your friend even came to church with you, you just said, hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought of where you would spend eternity if you were to die today? What if you just asked your friend a hard question? What if you just sowed a seed? What if your friend got saved even before they came to church and then when they came to church, they were getting discipled? See, right now what's happening in the American church is we're putting the responsibility on pastors to win your friends to Jesus Christ. That's actually what's happening. We're putting responsibility on the pastor to go win your friend to Jesus Christ. When in reality... Yes, it's great to invite your friend to church. Yes, you should invite your friend to church. There is nothing wrong with inviting your friend to church, and you should. But when in reality, we need to go fulfill the Great Commission for ourselves and go and make disciples. What does making disciples look like? First, they have to get saved. Second, they actually have to learn the Word of God. Disciple, not convert. We need to take responsibility. I know the church sometimes doesn't like responsibility. I know Christianity always doesn't, doesn't always like responsibility. Man, I just want to make it God's fault. My friend didn't get healed. I didn't get healed. Well, it's God's fault. You know, my, my mom died. My grandma died. My grandpa died. Well, it's God's fault. We like to blame God when in reality, a lot of things that we could take responsibility for ourselves. When in reality, we have to realize, man... I need to take responsibility for this generation. I need to do something about this. I'm not satisfied if one of my friends is on, is on their way to hell. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied if one person in this community doesn't know Jesus Christ. I'm not satisfied. Why? Because God's heart breaks for souls. If God is not willing that anybody should perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. 
then shouldn't we share the same heart as him if we say that we serve him? We need to start taking responsibility for our generation. But what is it going to take? It's going to take boldness. I'm going to step down here. It's going to take boldness. It's not going to it's not going to take just, you know, a quick little prayer. It's not going to take just like, okay, you know, I came to church on Sunday. Good for me. It's not going to take I really hope that someone wins my friend to Jesus Christ and tells them about the gospel. I'm just going to keep on praying for them. No, it's going to take boldness, just like they prayed for in Acts chapter 4. Boldness to preach the gospel. So here's what I want to do right now. Very quickly, very simply. It's not going to be a big parade. It's not going to be anything crazy. But here's what I want to do. The same way that the apostles, that they prayed for boldness to be able to go and win people for Jesus. As we're getting ready to go into faith, friends, and community in a month. And you want to be bold with your friends. You're believing for your friends to be saved. I want to ask you to get up out of your seat right now and come down to the altar if you want to win your friends to Jesus Christ. Literally don't hesitate right now. Come down to the altar if you want to win your friends to Christ. I'm going to go and I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm just going to pray that you be bold in Jesus name. That's all that I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do. Very simple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's going to make you bold. He's going to give you the spirit and you're going to be bold. Hallelujah. We're going to see friends one for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I knew, I knew that we'd have a lot of people because I knew that we had a lot of hungry people to win souls. Come on now. You guys can keep coming down just a little bit further. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to make this very simple. This is really just going to be very simple. I'm going to come around real quick and I'm just going to pray for you to be bold in Jesus name. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. And it's not my job. I'm not making you bold. I'm not doing anything with it. All I'm doing is just what the word of God says. And I'm praying for boldness. Come on now. Do you know how many people are going to be one for Jesus Christ at this altar right now? At this altar right now. If everyone at this altar won one person for Jesus Christ this week, how many people would that be? Come on now.